Welcome to another edition of Common Nonsense with Kevin and Kobe. I'm Kunta Quinte. And I'm Kobe. And on today's show, yeah, who knows? How's your, uh, how did your Easter go there, bud? It was pretty fine. Um, just chilled. Didn't do much. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds about like the rest of the world at this point. No yeah, one's really doing over. much. I came over and hung out with you. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> That doesn't really mean it was much, but yeah, we we didn't do much. <laughs> no, we had a we had a good time. We played some, some good Super food. Smash Bros. Played some Smash, had some steak. That was all right. Um. <laughs> uh, the steak was pretty good, dude. It really wasn't bad at all. Uh, yeah. you, I think you did real well with the seasoning. It wasn't as tender, but that's because yeah. you weren't able to properly marinate it. Yeah, no, um, it was you know it was a deal. For the steak, so you gotta. It's pro- there's a probably a reason why it it, it was about half off. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, Well, but, take advantage of that stuff. Yeah. Though. So I mean, the thing about a good steak is that you know if you don't fall victim to the usual white peril of thinking that you know salt is the only seasoning that exists, <laughs> you can actually make your meat pretty good. It's actually pretty simple. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of throwing a little Mrs. Dash on my uh, steaks. I like I like some some of my Italian seasonings. I go salt, pepper, garlic powder, some oregano, little bit of a little bit of some uh, thyme, just and then a lot of just the your Italian seasoning. See, and I cheat by using Mrs. Dash because has all that, including paprika. Yeah, and I, I like paprika. I, I I myself like I know a lot of people they have they're really particular it's like no steak's got to be cooked somewhere I'm like no I just want my food to taste good my standard is does it taste good yeah um and generally I use butter Ooh, immediately yeah. off of it um while it's resting a little bit let yeah. that let that butter melt should have done that yesterday I'm sorry in instead <laughs> of steak sauce some people love steak sauce though and I understand well, butter. but. Uh, Steak, steak sauce is if if you're consistently getting the stuff that's two dollars a pound, you got to throw something on it. Yeah, for sure. You're going outback and shit. You got to throw. You can't just eat outback steak. You gotta you gotta throw it on there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, my thing is, is a good steak doesn't need any sauce. Like I've always said, if I ever go to a place like Ruth's Chris or some other. You know, hundred dollar for a steak place, and a girl goes, "So you got any A one or ketchup?" Ah, oh, you're paying your own bill in IAC. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> just, just a forewarning there. Don't ever go to a, you know, a non-family steak shop. If you go to Outback, please by all means use your A one. But if you're going to any kind of steak, you know, steak restaurant, and I feel like they shouldn't even carry steak sauce. They should be sorry. Um, we'd rather just escort you out of the building. Yeah, um, butter enhances flavor while steak sauces mask some flavors. Yeah, and it's mainly just to make something that would be otherwise unpalatable edible. We used a lot, like, when I was in the Army and we were in the field and they would do the field steaks, you had to soak it because that meat was so tough. Like, A1 was a godsend. Because it's like, you need to do literally whatever you can to make it make it so you can chew that meat because you ain't getting anything else and it's better than what's in the bags. So, Kevin, I'll, I'll give you a pointer. Um, if you ever want to, if you know you're going to cook the steak the next day, yeah. next time you go buy steaks, stop by um, the same place I think all the uh, sauces are and stuff like that. It'll be close to uh, Worcestershire. 
yeah. sauce. It's called Allegro. Okay. Or Allegra. Um, and it's a steak marinade. And you just, you know, oh, yeah. plop, plop, you know, soak it and let it sit in the fridge. And give that a shot. It has a great flavor profile. Well, so my dad actually has a, like, my dad and my mom, they're, they're like, they had it tag teamed on the marinade so i just need i need to get my recipe for him from either him or they get my mom own marinade yeah because they like they that's oh, that's the way to go but my mom was all about homemade sauces and everything so i was like i kind of i kind of do it wrong that's why i didn't make it because i was like i don't have the you know i didn't have the wherewithal to make it on the spot so i just didn't make one in general and that's why i recommend just going and getting the allegra or allegro whatever it is i forget um because it's just a shortcut and it's sweet and easy, straight yeah. to the point. Um, great for college students, stuff like that. Um, my dad will use it from time to time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, my dad, he was he always had a really a really good uh, teriyaki marinade that he would use. Nice. And, but um, I know that nice that? and tangy. I mean, really, it's all about. It's all about just having the time to do it because at any, you just want to have your steak marinate and it just does, if nothing else, you just have a longer time for it to be exposed to the flavors you want. And that's just, you know, um, that's just the only way that you're going to be able to have the best steak possible. And it, you know, keeps it nice and tender, keeps it nice and juicy, which another, that's always another downfall. I had to make the steaks on a griddle. If you can always use a grill or use a cast iron skillet, cast iron skillets are amazing. Uh, Magical. One of the better, I need to get one, but one of the better recipes you do, you put it in the cast iron skillet at a really high temp to sear it. And then you bake it, you throw Uh, it on a pan and bake it. That sounds um, pretty fire. But locks in the juices. Yep. But unfortunately, it's the middle of April and we were having a snowstorm yesterday for Easter, so there was no chance of having any kind of grilling going on. At least it melted off the sidewalks and roads and um, you know, my my front porch and back porch pretty quickly. Yeah, no, it could have been really bad. I know that uh there was there was a potential plan to go drive up through Wyoming just to drive just to get out, and then it was like, oh wait a second, we got a winter storm coming to, coming through here, so uh, might get stuck in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and um, but yeah, we've uh, the Colorado weather has us having a storm, you know, these last two days that didn't really you know materialize. It snowed pretty good. And it's supposed to snow again. Yeah, and it's supposed to snow again later this week, and then we get thunderstorms next week because Colorado can't decide what weather pattern it wants to follow. Is it spring? Is it winter? Is it summer? Who knows? Uh, this is probably <laughs> our last snow. Yeah, I mean, we'll. I think we'll probably get one more, and then it'll be done and over with. We always get that last, like last big storm, and then it's done for the year. Yeah, I consider this it. Eh, I don't. We got almost two inches, or right around there. Yeah, but. It was only for like a couple hours. Like, there's gonna be more. It was from eight p.m. last night to like noon. Yeah, because I got up. I got up at like uh, nine or so and went and shoveled off my back porch and my front porch, the decks out there. Yeah. Oh my God! You woke up at nine. Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't go to bed. Essentially. Jesus. I think I fell asleep from like three a.m. to five a.m. and woke up, took out my contacts, and I don't think I went back to bed. Up to that, but you need to, <laughs> you need to get that sleep schedule in order here. I had it in order for about a week, and then it fell right back out. Yeah, no, you gotta 
grab that shit by the horns and like aggressively pursue a healthy sleep schedule because of my god uh before we taped this podcast he slept for a solid two hours including falling asleep with his just staring at his phone on his chest so i was really trying to keep myself up by reading yeah that uh and it didn't work the classic tactic tactic of staying awake by reading which is the exact opposite of what everyone else in history has used it for <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> uh, this is the number one way to go to bed. Uh, but no, it's a. I sleep is so important to me. I know. Um, I I enjoy my sleep, but my insomnia has been. Well, the thing is, is that you don't. The thing is, is that you don't really realize how important it is until you've had such a period in your life without it, and then you get it back. Like, for me, when I was in the military, sleep was very, very, very rarely ever a priority, especially if you're in a heavy training schedule. If you're back in the barracks, like, sleep's your last, the last thing you want to do. You want to take advantage of the time that you're going to have with all your amenities. And, I mean, you do try to sleep, but, this, you know, the schedule very, very rarely allows you to do everything you want and sleep. But since, you know, I've gotten out and I've been in college and I've been able to have a nice, healthy sleep schedule and get healthy, you know, get the amount of sleep I need it's so energizing and it's so revitalizing and refreshing and you know i feel more alert because of it and it's just my moods just overall way better and i just i just have to say people don't underestimate don't undervalue how vital you know healthy amounts of sleep are to your success i mean it's I'd almost say that if you're studying for like eight hours and you're cutting in and only getting three hours of sleep, it's almost worth it to say, fuck it. I'll study for five hours and get those extra three hours oh, of sleep for sure. I, 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 I agree to the utmost. I fully agree. Sleep is extremely important. I just have the inability to sleep currently. Gotcha. Um, I'll want to sleep. I'll try to go sleep, but. I'll be able to sleep for a couple hours. I wake up and then I'm no longer tired. And then I'm not able to go to sleep until the middle of the day. Yeah. And that's always, that's like the biggest risk with the sleep schedule, especially is like when you start, when you, you know, you take those little breaks from it and next thing you know, you're doing it all the time and it's just back right where it was. Yeah. Mine are just one nights. It'll one night, it'll mess up again. And then I'll be right back. To square one and it sucks i don't like it i want to be able to sleep eight hours straight yeah which you know that's what i'm saying for for a week straight i was going to bed at like 11 12 and getting up at nine it was great yeah i felt great i was like this is awesome um the first night i got it reset i went to bed at 11 and woke up at 8 30 and i was like awesome I still have all the day. Yep. You know, I'm waking up at a reasonable time in the morning. Great. And then four or five days later, You're right I couldn't back go right. back to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. I, you know, I was regular tiredness. And then once I got to bed, took out my contacts and everything, I was like, I can't go to sleep. And stayed up till 6 a.m. Yeah, those are... The recovery following, you know, staying up for extended amounts of time is always really difficult, especially. So what we did with the one of the things, again, I'm going to bring up my time in the military. Sorry, people. Um, 
one of the things we had was like CQ and staff duty where it was a mandatory 24 hour straight shift, which is, you know, I could get in, go on an hour long rant on why the army is absolutely and utterly retarded. That's inhumane. But, um, yeah, I know. So when you're done, it's from like, it's from nine in the morning to from till nine in the next morning. And you know, you're 24 hours without sleep. So you're trying to figure out well, you get the next day off, you need to get sleep, but you can't sleep all day because then you won't go to sleep at night and you end up realizing, yeah, you take you take a, just long enough, like a two-hour nap, wake up, and then go back to bed again, you know, try to get to bed again as close to something like midnight or one o'clock, and then the next night, try to get back a little, you know, a little bit sooner. But Yeah, it, you a know, little it, bit at a time, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's shitty because you get one, you get one CQ shift or one staff duty shift and your sleep schedule's thrown off for like the next five days. Mind you, the whole time they're having you do a bunch of stupid shit because it's the military and they don't know how to do anything else. It's... If I am in the military right now, by the way, I need to any people active duty that might ever listen to this. This COVID-19 is really making people making blatantly obvious what was unnecessary bullshit and what is totally necessary bullshit because they have been able to slim down daily operations to only the bare bones and uh, things seem to still be ticking in the military. They seem to still be doing a pretty good job. So, um, I'd really want to look and check again at how important it really is that the bay is swept and mopped every day. What What are your uh, favorite three words when discussing the military? <laughs> Waste, fraud, and abuse. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real. There is... That is something that needs to happen to the military budget so bad is a deep scrub audit of everything find out where all the fraud waste and abuse is institute measures to you know drop the price on some of the like the more mundane things like vehicle parts and just you know put the funding that's out there to better use there's no reason why our military should be under equipped with the budget that it has there's zero excuse and i think the budget is plenty big but the amount of fraud waste and abuse i saw when i was in was just unreal and it's and it's crappy too because if they would just take the time to continuously be upgrading the gear you'd see a lot less of it but so much of the sheer becomes so the gear becomes so outdated so quickly that people just stop caring about it and that's where the fraud waste and abuse comes from that's that is one of the exceptional downfalls of capitalism uh your military technology is able to advance so fast so quick that it ends up being a rigorous cycle of buying the newest thing and it being outdated in three years and having to afford it again. Yeah. And I mean, it. you know, on an individual level, like with cell phones, it works. Yeah. But when you're trying to buy firearms for, well, it's not so much you guys, (laughs) how many are in the armed forces? Oh, there's rough estimate. I think there's 1.5 million. Yeah. In the armed services total, including reserves. And stuff. Yeah. Trying to buy a sidearm and a primary arm plus vehicles, all the vehicles you know, and body stuff armor, like that. Yeah. Um, you know, all, Shoes. all, the, <laughs> yeah, all the uniforms, the, sh- the gear. What, what brand were your uh, shoes? Oh, oh, there were so many. I have Vibrams. I had Nikes. I had, um oh there's just so many yeah the kid uh, that i Rocky knew SVs, stuff like that the kid that i knew that was in the air force from who played football there 
from my high school, he he came back and he had the Nike combat boots. I was yeah. like, I didn't even know Nike made combat boots for the military. That yeah, is dope. They, uh, them, Reebok make boots. Um, Nike actually makes decent, like decent-ish boots, depending on what you want. If you're doing a lot of rucking, like long distance foot movement nike makes really good boots that you know can do it in short spurts but you want to go with um like the gormans the gormans i had were perfect uh for for just extended just heavy use they were heavy they're much heavier boot i still have them now uh they're a much heavier boot boot but they're very durable they're very comfortable um they protect the fuck out of your feet and the you get so few i actually have a pair of the nikes and the uh, other ones um are those but, gormans the ones that are at the front door yeah okay that's that was going to be my next question is how long do boots normally last you? oh every for the everyday use in the army you're lucky if you get a year or two out of them there are some like the the nikes like you get six months out of those they're great on your feet while they last but they don't last that's the problem yeah um but the the gormans like those those blasted me solid two years and they were still going strong um the fabric so the thing is is you can always get them resold that's usually what costs people to get new boots is that the soles go bad but um for like the 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 cheaper ones or or the 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 thinner ones because a lot of people want thin ones because they're really light and you know they're really nice to be moving around yeah weight is everything for you guys Um, but they just You'll have holes appearing in them within, you know, first couple months. And by six, seven, eight months, you can't, like, they're they're pretty bad. So Did they give you all any toad boots? Uh, they, you know, those that just depends on your job. Uh, I know mechanics and stuff, you can get steel-toed boots and everything. But ours, ours were hardened-toed. Okay. Um, but. Um, that reinforced leather stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, uh. For the most part, it's it's just job dependent. Like okay, um, the uh, but like I was saying, like but you can get the higher quality boots that are heavier that just last forever and they're super comfortable. Comfortable, but anything is better than the boots they give you in basic. I still have scars on my feet from where my first boots dug so hard in the top of my foot. And mind you, I never went to sick. It took me forever to go to sick hall for it because you don't go to. What? Why are they so bad? Oh, they're just they're just so cheaply made. They're just like pieces of leather that are, you know, haphazardly shaped into a boot and then slapped on your feet. Plus, like they just it just takes a while to wear them in. So if they're done wrong, if it's done wrong or they're the wrong size, and mind you, these people have they're seeing you know thousands of soldiers a week. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, they don't care at all if they yeah, give you the wrong size. Yeah, they, they that care sucks. Less. That sucks. Cause so I have, yeah, I have a scar still on the top of my foot here. Um, well, I'll be darned. You, you do. Um, I almost got, you know, I almost got MRSA because these boots were digging into my feet, and I kept sweating into it. Yeah. Oh, sweating it, doing everything into it. It just kept getting worse, and finally. <laughs> Like, it was hurting so bad. Walking was just, was just beyond painful. And uh, finally, my, like, someone sees it and they go, like, yo, drill sergeant, can, uh, can LaRusso go to sick call? Because that was the whole thing is, like, I just didn't want to go to sick call. You don't do that. Um, and Yeah, because I assume they treat you even more like shit. Oh, but unless you need to go. That's the thing is, like... Unless you need to go. I didn't think I needed to go because I could still walk. Uh, and um, 
But the drill sergeant takes a look at it and goes, what the hell are you talking about? And he sees it and goes, holy fuck, Private, you need to get your ass to, we're taking you to the hospital now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this, the, here's how the, it goes in the, doc, in the hospital, right? Well, the treatment is you scrub the infection, get it oh. out of there. I oh. had to do the scrubbing. Oh. I had to scrub my own infection because it's the fucking army and the doctor could be asked to fucking do it himself. Ow. Just remember, oh socialized goodness. medicine, folks. I had to scrub my own wound out. I had did to they give you there. antibiotics after yeah. that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had full antibiotics and everything. It, didn't, it, had, it hadn't gotten there to, to the point of MRSA. It was just a really, really badly infected. But it was just like... Was it turning green? Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was nasty, dude. Ugh. It took, it took a while for the pus, for it to start bleeding. Oh, that's, oh, that's miserable. I'm sorry oh, yeah, for that. Dude, it was, it was. <laughs> that, yeah, because I can understand, you know, you come into it, you, you hear everything about it. Um, pretty much you just don't, if you act like a pussy, they're going to be even that much harder on you. Oh, so yeah. when I understand when you're like, I can still walk though, I can you know, oh, yeah. still perform and at good that point, enough to not like get, you know, hounded on and have these, these drill sergeants on my ass all the time. Yeah. And at that point, the army had it, you know, uh, made me feel like such a giant sack of shit human being that I resented every facet of it. So I was still motivated to, you know, be a good soldier. Yeah. Um, that motivation always leaves eventually though. Uh, it's, it's amazing how they're able to essentially brainwash you into being very obedient Well, that wasn't <laughs> and not being a pussy. That's just always been like when I played football, um, I only had to stop when I was actually injured. When I played basketball, like oh, I twisted my ankle, I'll sit a couple minutes and go back in, you know? It was, I've, I've always just had that. that mentality comes from my mom more than anything. Like having seen the pain that she dealt with, I was like, look, as long as I can still function, I, I am not beaten yet. So yeah, but can you talk to, talk to the drill sergeants, like the regular humans? Oh fuck no. See, and that's what I'm saying. That's, that's where the difference is because on football teams, your coach, you can still talk to them as a regular person outside of well, football. Eventually, like you get like when I with my NCOs when I was you know in the regular army, yeah, you could they were my friends some for of sure. But, but I'm talking about in particular, uh, uh, you know, your your uh, boot camp. Yep, and but it's because Basic it's training. It's, it's the military in discipline is key above all the ability to follow orders um, in times of you know utter chaos and you know some people will say that means discipline at all times i will say that means discipline during training um you know during day-to-day life you need to be able to unwind but you know discipline when it's necessary yeah but here's the thing in basic training like you need to just it's it's supposed to be you're supposed to be overwhelmed that's the whole point is is being overwhelmed by everything and it is supposed to you know put your body in under the kind of mental and physical stress necessary to prepare and find out if you're even going to be capable to go into war so they have to break you um yeah in a way essentially they either break you or you accept um you accept the necessity of falling for me that's essentially breaking that's like breaking a horse man i mean yes and no for me 
They I've just always accept been, there's, that you're going to ride them. <laughs> well, people, there's just different acts. Yeah, some people do have to be broken, but some people are able to understand the aspect of leadership, which is being a good follower. And especially in situations where you're the not the the most knowledgeable and you're very fresh, the I went into it with the mindset of I don't know shit, so I'm gonna follow orders unless it's uh, I understood I can understand when something might be morally wrong, but as long as it's not morally wrong, I don't see the problem with following following the order in in, in a military setting because here here's you know the nitty gritty of it when you're in a firefight. And someone's saying, you know, get to cover, cover our, you know, cover our left or cover our right, uh, you know, or whatever kind of maneuvers are going for. You need to just be able to hear them and respond and know that that's what you're supposed to do. And it's you are supposed to know the person in charge knows in the moment exactly that they are in charge and the people who are not in charge know exactly who they need to be listening to. And it's that kind of discipline that is necessary at all levels. Yeah, that saves lives right there. Exactly. But... Um, it's when, it's when it bleeds over into more mundane tasks. Like when you've been in the military for four years, five years, and you know the, um, and you're a well-disciplined soldier, but you understand that there's, you know, times when you can be relaxed. Like, yeah, when you're in the motor pool, as long as you're getting your vehicle, you know, properly PMCS, which not a single human being does anyways. Uh, but as long as you're, you know, PMCSing your vehicle, yeah, just shooting the shit, talking, just making it enjoyable should be allowed but there are sergeant majors out there that will lock their soldiers in the motor pool until lunchtime and say no one can go anywhere and it's just like that's just so ineffective that's just so counter it just doesn't it doesn't work for morale it makes you look like an authoritarian and the thing about especially the american military now is this is not a a conscriptorial military this is not a military where if you violate actions you know, your family's going to be put in danger or you're, you know, you're breaking the law and going to go to go to jail. I mean, obviously breaking, you know, orders will get you sent to jail in the military. Yeah, but, but you're not going to the gulag for... Exactly. Um, for you actually saying, have to commit an actual crime. Yeah, um, for, for talking back. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, being against the government's not going to get you thrown in, in Fort Knox, but um, acting against the government will. Um, but, you know... This is an all-volunteer military. The people that are in the military are here are in the military because they want to. Because either there's financial incentives or there's patriotic incentives or there's educational incentives or a mixture of all three of them. Or any other kind of incentives. Uh, stability it's, inc- exa- incentives. Exactly. It's, very, it's a very stable life. And um, I think that... There needs to be an appreciation by leaders with, you know, subordinates that you're here because you want to be here. We all want this to be successful. So in order for that to happen, you need to follow my orders when I give them. But I will treat you as a human otherwise. Well, that's good leadership across the board. But, yeah, if it was more throughout the military on all levels, uh, the military would be functioning even at a higher rate oh my god leadership is one of the biggest one of the biggest holes in the current military you know and we have seen we have seen that the the admiral i mean i know originally when when it happened i was kind of on the fence like you know what is the reason why he was relieved is there a valid reason 
but you read up on that story and immediately I was like, if I was on that ship, I was following that guy to my death. He, he actively, you know, there was a group of officers that wanted to, you know, wanted to write a, a letter together saying that they wanted, you know, precautions to be taken for the ship that had had, uh, that was struggling with COVID-19. And he said no to them. I'll do it myself. And he put his own career on the line and came and did it himself and got attention to the matter himself when official channels weren't working. Because by the way, the acting secretary of the Navy wasn't even in the military. Um, he was a piece of shit. And um, so the Admiral Crozier, 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 Crozier. Um, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. I've only seen it typed out. Or captain. He was a captain, sorry, which is the equivalent rank of a colonel in the military. He was in charge of the ship. He was the captain of the ship. Um, and, uh, you know, he stood up for his for his people and got relieved of command for it. And they gave him a ceremony on the way out. It's like, if that isn't the example of what good leadership looks like, good leadership, you can tell good leadership because when he's being dismissed, his people are out there cheering, like, you know, supporting him as he goes, letting him mm-hmm. know he's there. I've seen sergeant majors that on their way out, nobody even gave him a second look. I've seen commanders on their way out. No one even gave him a second look because they were so shit. Um, and then I've had leaders of myself that have been just amazing examples of what good leadership is. But the amount of that I've had versus the amount of bad leadership, it's just insane how much bad leadership there is currently in the military. Wow. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate these stories. Um, I, you know, I try to know a little bit about the military, but without being able to have a full discussion with someone who's been there, done that, uh, it's hard to know some of the inner workings, um, some of the particular details. Uh, Let's see. I had another question for you. Let me see if I can think of it real quick. I mean, for me, I want to make sure that the experiences I had in the military have a positive impact on my life going forward. And I could sit and bitch about it, or I could sit and be, you know, objective about it. Be like, I had the, I had good times. I had bad times. It ended up physically, my body fell apart. And unfortunately it wasn't for me. You know, when I was younger, I had aspirations of going to special forces, but you know, that's, that's everybody though. That, that is everybody. I, okay, and of course, that's most people. Yeah. Even yeah. Timothy McVeigh wanted to be a, like elite sniper. Well, thanks for committing. <laughs> thanks for comparing me to the Oklahoma city bomber. But, um. Okay. No, I, okay. Here's my question. Here's my question. Yeah. Go ahead and log into your computer. I'll ask you this question. There's no way knowing you that you didn't get in trouble at least once. Oh, at least once. Ooh. What I want to know Ooh. is what's the like harshest or most funny or ridiculous punishment that you had. Like uh, the only <laughs> thing that comes to my mind is you force gump cleaning the floor with two oh. with toothbrushes. Like did, did someone actually have to do that? So is that when, I was, when I was in basic training, right. Um, we were about five weeks in and I was, Remarking on how I was remarking in a letter home and how weirdly easy it had been. And I said, I think it's because we're in a co-ed basic training. Uh They take it easy on us because we have girls. So here's the thing. When they're doing locker searches, they cannot open sealed mail. However, I had not sealed it. And they did a locker search. And they're searching my locker. And the female drill sergeant 
One of the female drill sergeants found it. Oh no! And this little tiny Puerto Rican woman. (laughs) This little tiny Puerto Rican male, or uh, this little tiny Puerto Rican female, sitting there, angriest woman I've ever met on my life. (laughs) Like the epitome of the crazy, the crazy Latina. Oh man! Um, And she goes. She just turns around. She goes, uh, "Battle!" Talking to Drill Sergeant Henry. She goes, "Battle! Uh, come here and just, just can you read this? These couple lines for me right here. I just want to make sure I'm seeing this right." And he goes, uh, "I think they're taking it easy on us because we have girls in our company." And Drill Sergeant Henry looks at her and goes, "Well, seems like he's saying that females aren't equal." And I was like, "Uh, well, that's not what I'm saying, but..." And she just turns around. And she goes, "All right, well, if you, you mind think if, it's that easy, you mind if I take him for a little bit?" He goes, "He's all yours." Oh no! Oh my oh, God! No. Hours and hours, <laughs> push-ups, back, you know, low crawls, uh, flutter kicks, just everything this woman could think of. I was like cleaning. I was cleaning stuff like. Oh, you want you? To, you think women aren't equal? Here, do a woman's job. I was like, oh my Jesus, this, and I deserved every second of it, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, you know that what? That is hilarious. But you want to know what's? You want to know something? What? They absolutely were taking it easy. I don't doubt it. I know but, they had to lower some of the standards. No, yeah, no, and like I'm just going to be saying first and foremost, um, women have much lower standards for physical fitness in the military, and it shines through and. I'm going to be so controversial. Yeah, you know what? I'm just. I'll men, save it for no. Men I'm, can barely pick up other men's bodies that I'm, are limp. How can a woman pick up someone that's twice uh, as heavy as them? I have my thing is is if they can meet equal standards, I am not worried. But if if we're talking that you're trying to tell me that the women who barely pass by female standards in the military are going to be able to do the job the exact same way as as you know someone like. Someone, someone like you know. I'll just use myself, Jocko. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not even going to use Jocko because, like, I, you know, the uh, SF community is is you know is is a beast in their own. But um, there, uh, I'm like, no, like there, I have absolutely met women in while I was in the service that I was like, absolutely, like you would probably be able to do a better job than me. One of them that comes to mind is Lieutenant Bernheim. Um, she was this. Uh, you know, LT that was just unbelievably physically fit. She worked her goddamn ass off. She put us through the rigors. I mean, I couldn't keep up half the time, but of course, I was I was also dealing with some pretty uh, significant injuries myself. But it doesn't change the fact that she was unreal, and she was in fact the first female MI officer to pass Ranger School. And I, none of us were surprised because you know there was you know she did amazing. And the fact of the matter is, though, is that she was the exception rather than than the rule. Um, yeah. She was the exception for being able to do um, well by the male standard on PT uh, on PT for uh, tests. And for me, it's like just make the standard equal. Everybody who meets this standard can qualify for combat. If men can't meet it, they're not allowed to be there either. But I'm telling you, the problem is, is that a lot more women will fail to meet the standard than men. Yet we are going to continue to, you know, see that hard truth, um, you know, called sexist. Here's the thing. Social justice has no spot in the battlefield. 
social justice will, you know, like, sorry, you, you don't have to push for it. You can't be racist and have the best military in the world. Sorry. It just won't work. You want, you want, you know, the full pool of the people within your, within your country to be used in the military and you want them to work effectively together. You can't be racist and have an effective military. So bam, that issue goes away. Now you start getting to stuff like trying to push for transgenderism. I'm Uh, sorry. No social justice warrior time. This is for real warriors, not social justice warriors. Get out of this, get out of this domain. Like I barely am qualified to be speaking on this topic. And I like, and I will fully, I will die on this fucking hill that, um, that women should not automatically qualify for combat or arms rules. They should have to meet the same standards as men and trans in transgenders just have, you know, transgender people that have very blatant. Cause here's the thing is if you're bipolar, you can't get in the military. Yeah, if, so you're, why, if, why if your ADHD is if your ADHD is significant enough, you can't get in the military. But you're trying to tell me if I think that I'm in the wrong body, I'm perfectly suited to go into the military. No, nah, I'm with you. That, so, it's crazy. I uh, yeah, no. So you know I mean, how I feel about transgenderism. I mean, it it will it will be the demise of higher education first. It will be the demise of the workplace second, and then it will be the demise of our country if we allow it to flourish. I don't. I think, I, I think you need. I think you need flourish. to make a distinction here. Transgenderism itself will not do it. The people, people who push, the people behind the push for transgenderism, the people behind the push for these movements, I think are the ones articulating. No, well, no, no. It's not that they go hand in hand. It's that transgender, the transgender movement is an offshoot of it, is a result of it. No, it's it's the people who are pushing these things knowingly. They're taking advantage because there's no reason why people who are transgender should not be pushing for equal treatment in society. But here's the thing. There are people that are convincing them that it's not there, that they need more. And it's the people that are that convince those that have been historically oppressed to push past equality into um, reparations territory, those are the people that are seeking to destroy the fabric. Again, like transgenderism is not going to destroy our country. The people manufacturing the transgenderism movement will. And see, the reason I say I think it goes hand in hand is without one, you cannot have the other, really, in my opinion. So with with being you know, having a significant group of transgenders. No, I mean, I would disagree. I would just disagree on the face because I would let me explain. Okay. You're right. They will automatically push for equal rights, whether they think they're there or not. They will push for acceptance, mass acceptance, because that's at the end of the day, what everybody wants. They want attention and acceptance at some level i don't you could be a cisgender white straight male don't care at the end of the day you still want to be accepted and recognized for for being you everyone that we're still extremely individualistic society and country you know that is the essence of western civilization so no matter what, who you are, you still want the acceptance. You still want the recognition of being an individual. So with that, we'll automatically push for the movement, whether you even if you were to eliminate, you know, leftism as a whole, just say we could just poof, they're gone. There's still a lot of individualistic 
you know, pushes here on the right wing. Well, you can push for equal treatment of transgender people without pushing for leftist agendas. Like I would, I will actively say I am a proponent of equal treatment for transgender people. I thought I saw active transgressions upon the transgender community, such as people were, you know, attacking them, like going out of their way to, to attack and violate these people and do all this other stuff. I would make it a point to stand up for them because like, I just, I'm just not a fan. It's when you take that movement and weaponize it and manipulate it and get them to go beyond beyond the goal that they actually want. Convince them that the goal they're trying to achieve is actually not the end goal. Well, the goal that they're trying to achieve is automatically a lie, though. Well, well the goal they wanted to achieve was to be not ostracized from society. And I'm sorry, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that I could exist with, you know, with transgender people within my community. As long as my community is not trying to tell me that that's the norm the normal way it's supposed to be as long as a transgender person you know acknowledges i am transgender because i have a mental illness and we're trying to treat it that to me perfectly acceptable it's when it's like no i am a transgender and the fact that you are a cisgendered white male that makes you evil and you know anything you say against me no we should be able to have read stories to children in libraries we should be able to teach that our sexuality being open about being transgender is okay in school and i don't think pre you know any school should be talking about how okay openness of sexuality is and um, you know, it's when, it's when you go beyond that, when you start, when it starts attacking the culture and trying to say the culture needs to be more like it, the people who create those movements and turn the movement into that are the ones that are actively seeking to undermine the society and the culture we've created. And see, I think that automatically comes with the territory as the population increases. If there's, if it's such a small minority that may not happen, but as soon as it hits a particular threshold, it's just magnified because of the left right now. But as soon as, as soon as a community hits a certain threshold, I don't know what it is. Don't, don't ask me that. But as soon as it hits a threshold, they automatically push for, uh, essentially reaching out and grabbing as many people as they can because they then demonize and, um, hate the people who also have these mental disabilities, mm -hmm. but are able to overcome them and not act on them at all. Yeah, no, because what they need is they need they need their their revolutionaries. So well, they need their affirmation they, they, that they aren't weak. Well, yeah, they no, feel so, weak when, so, it, when it happens. So the again the 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 people behind these movements they take the train. Here's the thing: the reason the LGBTQ movement was always doomed to fail is that it has too many contradictions within it. You can't be radically for transgender equal rights, uh, equality on all levels, and also say that, you know, women matter because at a, if you're trying to say a male can be a female, then you're trying to remove everything that makes being a female special from it. And feminism all of a sudden falls out and you start losing the lesbians. And then they start hating uh, straight white gays because they have too much, you know, wait, is it, is being white male a privilege? Is being gay a dis, dis, you know, you know what? Screw it. They're, they're all just as bad. And so what they do is, 
It's the same reason why Islam in America is somehow culturally on the left. It's not, but it is culturally identified as being on the left because they've successfully taken all the victim groups and wound them into one ball because that's what they need. They need all the victim groups to unite behind the cause they want, whether it's in their best interest or not, whether it makes sense or not. What it does is it provides them with the ground troops necessary to to implement their ideals. And so that's why you see so many contradictory. That's why when you're watching all these leftists, you're like, wait, how do these people agree? It's because they are being expressly told what they need to be told to not turn against the other group. Which, which is just a means of end to gain power. That's what I'm saying. When you hit a certain threshold of a population, they want to seek power. They want to seek representation. Well, that threshold and- is more than one family because humans are just na- bad humans naturally, you know, are attracted to positions of power. For sure. But, uh, and, you know, and they use the tactics. Let me ask you this. A group of people, whether it be a race, uh, a sexuality, a whatever have you, who do they dislike the most? They dislike the people from their own community that have turned on their community. Blacks hate conservative blacks more than anyone. Exactly. Which is why you see trade. Yeah. Which is how you're able to see uh, CNN call Kanye West an Uncle Tom. And yet Fox News is the racist one. That's what I'm saying. So it's, it, the same thing's going to happen out of the LGBT community. Well, it's just that they're all they're all a web of contradictions. And as the as the the leftist deceivers move, you know, on the power structure, their first goal is to remove religion, right? Because you want people subservient to the state. So in order to do that, you have to you have to identify. Okay, so. If I'm going to remove religion in America, what does that look like? All right, Christianity is first on the chopping block. And so you saw all the facets of the left. What is one of the things they have most in common? They're all, you know, anti-Christian. Exactly. They are all radically anti-Christian, including the—they are radically anti-Christian, and yet they all support Islam. And that's one of the key red flags that the movement is— that there's something even more sinister than just people are trying to rally. No, someone's actively manipulating. That's because you go after the status quo. Exactly. So you attack Christianity first. And as soon as Christianity is removed from its spot in the, you know, in the American subculture, uh, Islam is next on the chopping block. And don't make any mistakes about it. They will come after. They will... They will not stop talking about how Islamist countries, uh, you know, people are gay people are thrown off roofs. There's female genital mutilation. Women have no rights. That will never they will never stop with that. But that's not going to come up until uh, you create a power back. Yeah. Until Christianity is gone and then you attack Islam. And once Islam's gone, what is there left to do? Well, you have a lot of. Well, then, it just, category then it just becomes a power vacuum and whoever's on top becomes the status quo. Yeah, but what they want on the but, chopping but, block. but what they want to replace it with is the government because the government is not an accountable force. The government is people. What religion provides is, an, is a level of accountability beyond man. It's the knowledge that, you know, OK, so no matter what happens in this life, no matter how successful you are materially above me or position wise at the end of the day you and i are going to be judged by the same person against the same standards or if i've been good and you've been bad then i will be rewarded and you won't so that's that's one of the things about religion that made it so appealing especially to the poor masses in you know like the middle ages you know the peasant knew that if they still lived a good life 
even though they weren't the king or the knight or some other lord, they were still had just as much potential to be rewarded in the afterlife. And in fact, if they had a leader who they knew was bad, they could even get, get solace in the fact that they knew, yes, even though I live this life and he lives that life, I will be rewarded for eternity and they won't. Yep. So the reason the left has to remove that is because you have to remove that accountability. You have to take that away and you have to convince people that in fact the hierarchy is what dictates power, which is why they spend so much time explaining how important how pervasive and important power hierarchies, power hierarchies are within the world. Um, they spend so much time talking about these power hierarchies because as far as they're concerned, they're the only key to power and the easiest way to make it so that these, that, you know, power is accessible is to remove religion, convince people these hierarchies are the only thing that matters and then take over the hierarchies, yeah. which is what they try to do at every turn. They're always trying, they're always trying to identify a power hierarchy, identify why white males are the problem with it, and then identify why they should instead, should instead be in charge. It's all, it's all very well thought out. It's all very well documented in postmodernist teachings in um, cultural Marxist teachings. Um, like Foucault, Derrida, um, uh, um, uh, who's the other one? There's another one that's really big. Marcuse, Herbert Marcuse. I had, I had to read all these guys. Um, I'm sorry. Well, no, it's, it's actually really good. It gives you a good insight. And that's why I'm able to sit here and identify like how they're using it. Because once you're able to see their reasoning behind things you can then see what they're doing to weaponize it because they will only use it in the ways that they think it is being used and so by identifying these power hierarchies they've identified an easy way to the top and it's an easy way to the top that allows them to they themselves then be able to dictate who the the lessers and the graders are in a society rather than having some ulterior force dictate this rather than having it rely on morality it relies on these immutable characteristics yeah and um it's 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 really sinister when you start looking at it and the evidence of it starts to crop up when you the whole Islam thing was one of the biggest was one of the biggest indicators for me. I was like, wait a second, if these are what you stand for on this side, if and I was on that side, I was a you know I was a leftist. Um, if you know, I hate the conservatives because they're racist, homophobic, bigoted, xenophobic, all these other things. Then how am I also going to be standing here with people that are advocating for, you know? Islamic practice, you know, Islamic traditions that are the exact same, if not worse. And it's then that you start to realize, you start doing the analysis and you realize that leftism is a, is a intricate web of contradictions that will crumble. And that's what I've been trying to say. It, it, the foundations behind the movement are so haphazardly constructed. They're, they're built so, um, there's so little patience and thought being put in because the people putting them in again are radically progressive. And there's, again, they don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe in stuff taking time. The only thing that matters is what can be attained in this lifetime. Ergo, um, everything has to happen now. 
and there is no there is no long term thought process put into any of it at all, and that's yeah, they, why they have zero foresight. You know, you saw it since Obama got elected. They thought it was their time. They ra- like rapidly started getting all these groups organized together to hate on the great white evil. And, and then they got hit with the great white hope. And it's starting to unravel before their eyes because it was never made to last. And this is why I think that we're having a darkest before the dawn situation as far as cultural America goes. I think a return towards the middle because the the leftists, the, the radical leftists that really had the ability to, in, to implement the change um, did not understand the the patience necessary to make it happen. If you're going to do these kinds of things, it has to be so gradual that the culture barely recognizes that it happens. But it's it's been so rapid that it has taken over, the debate has taken over the culture, which is why it will fail, because what they're advocating for, probably less than 15% of the rational population of this culture um whatever stand for which is why you're seeing this such a radical shift you know people are not becoming changing into conservatives people are being deemed conservatives because that overton window has shifted them out of out of the left and i think that um they're making these pushes it's going to get real bad but um it's going to happen really fast and it's going to go away and it's you know it'll happen again eventually the left never stops but um, it'll be a long time before it rears its ugly head again. And I hope you're right. What, what I have learned, though, is you use the word rational people. Individuals might be rational, but groups are very irrational. You're right, which is why they rely so hard on maintaining the group dynamic. That's why it's all trying to be groups. But here's the thing, especially this coronavirus, it has created a situation where everyone has become an individual involuntarily. Um, you can only get your news now from yourself. Like you, you can't be having conversations at work and overhear things. You can't be sitting in a school classroom and hear things. No, like you are the source of your information. And I think that's why you're seeing such a rapid decline in the support for a lot of these leftist movements, because as people gain access to more information themselves, they're able to make Amazon is a perfect example of this. What did Amazon truly do to revolutionize the market? They introduced more ability to be informed and choose than a consumer has ever thought to have in their life. And that still applies to the political landscape, which is why they will fail. As the country becomes more educated um, individually on their own, has the ability to get an education on their own. Their, prob- their plans will fail. That's why they made such a push for the university because it was such an easy way to moderate what was being told to the people that would go on and be successful. Well, now the university is losing its power. You have YouTube, you have the internet, you have anything you could want to get your hands on. The, universe is no, the university is no longer the singular source of information and knowledge for a, lot of the, uh, for a lot of the people that go on to be successful with college degrees. Yeah, but you still have a massive ad campaign for all online colleges and stuff like that. And high schools are still – my mom still teaches school dude at, at you know, middle school now. And you hear it from as young as sixth grade, you have to go to college. You have to go to college every year. So even though I'd like to think, you know, I know for a fact that YouTube technically is competition to higher education. It is not like 
it's it's still not reaching because of the high school teachers and stuff like that are so brainwashed and are are literally shooting themselves in the foot. No, and I'm not going to deny that. But here's the thing is when your parents were telling you you got to go to college, were they saying you got to go to college and get a gender studies degree? Well, my parents are not the norm. No, but most parents that are saying you've got to go to college, their idea is you've got to go to college and get educated in something that will set you up for success, a.k.a. STEM fields, a.k.a. Um, edu- like deep education fields, like um, you know being a lawyer or being some kind of like accountant, stuff like that. Yeah, but most that's of these what kids can't do but, that. But he, no, but that's the point is they've taken you've got to go to college and made it from like – uh, you know, a test of are you good enough or not into no, everybody has to go whether they're good enough or not. And they take the ones that are not good enough, feed them into into degree fields that are highly opinionated non stem fields. And they use that to indoctrinate. So now they've got everybody going to college. Um, because they've convinced every no, not everybody needs to go to college. They indoctrinate us though in the STEM field as well. No, and that's and that's bad, and that's bad enough. But they've what they've done is they've expanded their reach to people who shouldn't go to college as well as people who do go to college, and that that, that is a danger. And that to me was is the biggest danger of it all is convincing everyone they had to go to college. But then it became blatantly obvious because here's the thing: is like I think people they, what they do, what the left does is they consistently underestimate the people they're manipulating. And I'm sorry, but. We want to say the average person is, is person is stupid is like, yeah, probably worldwide, but America, the average person in America is smarter than the average person in almost any other country on planet earth. And that needs to be remembered is that eventually like your average person is smart enough to realize when they're being duped. Like your average mechanic is going to know when he's getting a bad part on get bad deal on parts. And eventually he's going to know when he's getting a bad deal on government involvement in his life. Everybody eventually gets annoyed at government overreach. Um, but what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is that, um, they underestimate how, I think what we're doing here is trying to insinuate that their tactics are so subversive that it takes a really smart person to notice them. No, that's the problem is their tactics are, it's wide out in the Exactly. And that's the thing is that their tactics are so obvious that it is super easy for the average American to see it. They are not, they think they're being subversive and everything, but subversion, look, you know what? I'm going to use a Star Wars metaphor here. But you do have to put in, which I agree, yeah. this is the perfect time. I think, I do think that like the conspiracy theorist population has grown significantly through this coronavirus stuff because you get bored and you get lost yes. down the rabbit hole of and, the internet. And, and what happens when you get lost down the rabbit hole of the internet? You see how obvious it is. Yep. Their, their tactics and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you get pushed right uh, the more on the internet you are. So the thing is, though, um, yes, currently they are hurting because the media is not able to, uh, you know, yeah, ha- hang a carrot over here while they're stabbing you in that in the back on, with their right hand. You know, yeah, um, which is what they normally do. They, uh, you can always find an article by all these major news companies about the bullshit 
And you're like, oh my goodness, why have no one talked about it? Well, they're just doing their, <laughs> their, uh, they're basically covering their ass saying, no, we did, we did write a report on it. It just didn't make it to television because we didn't think it was interesting enough or whatever, even though this is what should be paying, we, what we should all be paying attention to. You know, I, I'm talking to some people and they had no idea how much stuff we were getting from China. I'm yeah. like, dude, it's literally everything. Yeah, no, I had no idea how much of our medical supplies were. Like, holy shit, our medical supplies? No. Can I actually, can I, I want to finish, because I think this is a really good metaphor. Um, yeah, a really go good with the Star Wars metaphor. Yeah, go for so it. I'm going to bring up, you know, it's how the Sith were successful. So it's set up in the first book of the Bane trilogy. And who Darth Bane was is he existed a thousand years before episode one. Um, and he was a part of the Sith Empire because at the time the Sith had the Sith had a massive army and they were waging an outright war against the Jedi mm -hmm. uh, for control. Imagine that's the left versus you know the right, the right. Um, and so what happened though is that the Sith could not compete against the Jedi in an outright war. So because what, all the, at the end of the day, all the power flows out the end of. Uh... At the end of a, it flows out the barrel of a gun, or the uh, lightsaber. At actually. the edge of a lightsaber on this one, it's, <laughs> and one of the, what he realizes one of the big Sith problems is just how much infighting there was. Anytime someone was on top, they'd immediately be killed. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? They kind eat of like, themselves yeah. up. So except what for it, blackface. <laughs> so what does so what does Bane do? Well, he eliminates all of the other Sith except for two because he realizes that if the Sith truly want to dominate, it's not something that has to happen that can happen immediately. It will take time that he will never see fit. And you know what ends up happening? Eventually, one of his apprentices utters the phrase, "I am the Senate." Oh, Palpatine. Yeah, and so what? It, what, what, what was what it showed was like it. It had it took it was a one thousand year process for their evil, quote unquote, in this case, leftist policies to take effect. That's the only way it could happen. It was so gradual that no one noticed it happened. That's not what is happening right now. It has not become so gradual. They didn't start off with, you know, just having a gay white man read books to kids in his school and not talk about the fact that he was gay. Yeah, because I would have vada cadaver that dude so fast. Well, no, he's, he's like, <laughs> I mean, oh my Jesus. <laughs> no, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Um, no, because like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered. And so there was no, you know, start off with a gay white man who's not flamboyant and move on to a slightly more flamboyant gay man, then move on to a gay woman and then introduce, you know, an unidentifiable transgender woman. Like so you you're cannot... saying have a slippery slope, but appear as a gradual. That, exactly. Um, but there was, there's no patience on the left. So they're never going to take the time and their tactics are so against what, what the normal American wants in terms of freedom and Liberty that as soon as they like get aggressive with it is, it is Americans stand against it, which well, is why you saw Bernie Sanders lose so heavily. One issue is they're, they're extremely tribalistic. Yes. Incredibly tribalistic. And so if one tribe was trying to make it gradual, the other tribes are trying to go a million miles per hour, which is the a problem. LGBTQ yeah. is the perfect example of that. Exactly. In particular, um, as soon as they were able to get gay marriage, gay and lesbian marriage, the transgenders came running. 
And yep. they said, we want everything. Yep. We want to cut off our dicks at eight years old. Well, you, and they want like, they oh, to make it goodness. illegal to stop the stop a parent from trans, uh, transitioning their child. Like legitimate. And that's the problem. Like, and then the drag queens came in real quick. And then... Well, because here's the thing is like, and if you, if you want to go enjoy drag on your weekend, uh, you know, in a club no, specifically dis, for it disavow, with consulting, disavow, a, stop. No, no, with, with consenting adults, I live in America. Like fine. As soon as you start trying to introduce that, that to children, no, absolutely. Get the hell out of here. Um, nothing sexual belongs in mainstream. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, like it's, it's okay to have romantic sexualization, like glorify the the romantic side of sexualism you know glorify the 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 um monogamous side of sexuality but you know i'm against any and all forms of trying to openly say that sex is something that should be expressed openly and yeah that extreme pda so, pisses me off yeah period. so like that that's my I problem don't with see anybody making out exactly and so that, that, that's like, my problem with all of it it's that it's like i hold that view and i hold it regardless of what you know who you are and yet that makes me transphobic because it goes against what they want and that's that is another that is another one of the tactics they tactics they use they give them whatever it like they bribe them with whatever they can to get them to follow in i know you give and them an inch they take a mile exactly and so like my thing we, is we all started out we don't care what people do in their own bedroom exactly and that's and that was a conservative mindset immediately out of their bedroom exactly so and that's fast and that i remember getting in a fight with my dad because back when they were pushing for prop 8 in california who's like next thing people are going to want to do is 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 marry their dogs. And I was like, Dad, that's fucking ridiculous. You know there's a woman who married a train station in San Diego? There is a woman who married a dog in the UK. It was broadcasted on TV. I remember getting mad at him because uh, he was trying to say that they were going to try to make abortion in the birth canal legal one day. And I was like, no one would ever fucking do that. That's ridiculous. Now that's they, so far. Now they try to do it on, uh, the, on the table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be kept comfortable. They'll be kept nice and comfortable while they decide. Don't try to waste that seven pounds of meat. <laughs> Dude, it's like... And then they literally fly in the vans and stuff like that. Ship it's like, them it's off like to I a said, Chinese-owned like, company here in America. Auction off the baby parts. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Live babies go for 100000 man. Well, like, I'm... The thing... It's I'm going to get a, me a yellow Ferrari this year. It's just such an example of... They underestimate, they think that their people will believe them if they peddle this, you know, my body, my choice, you know, women's right to choose. And eventually people are like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Like at some point that's a life. And the more you try to say it's not a life, the more people who were kind of on the fence are going to be like, wait a second. No, that's a life that you're trying to take. I was, I was there. I was, I was for abortion under reasonable circumstances, quote unquote reasonable. But then as they push harder for more extreme, it just made me realize, wait, like, if I'm trying to say it's a life then, I have to say it's a life now, and I have to say it's a life always. Um, therefore, you you realize where you have to stand. That's actually one thing that I have not gotten far enough into proprietarianism is to determine where, where they stand. Uh, in, in my I think opinion— the, I think the answer would be very obvious. What is, is having an abortion uh, going to impede on another person's, person's ability to carry on life? Yeah, but where, where do they consider that? And see, I mean, so, science science says when the sperm fertilizes the egg, it becomes a new DNA set. Therefore, it would yeah. be a different life. Okay. I agree. I agree. Um, I 100% agree. 
but running this on, and this is just, again, my personal belief, running this on pure logic, I have to determine life by the way we determine death. And since we determine death by the, the, absence of a heartbeat i have to determine life by the presence of a heartbeat i didn't know dick i didn't know dick cheney was dead yeah (laughs) no no that's a that's a real thing because like here's the thing is is stuff like that yeah yeah exactly there are artificial ways to continue a heartbeat no a heartbeat is not a good enough way what determines a life is but okay artificial or not when it does stop he is dead so trees are not life trees are not human life no but they're life. They are alive, yes. Okay, so you're advocating that there has to be an instance when you can take that life. I don't consider humans and trees on the same level. Nor well, no, we're just trying to get consider- a definition of what life is. Life is the repro- is is any substance that has reproducing cells. Uh, I, I'm with you. I fully agree. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. I say if we're going to do that, then we need to move that as the definition of death legally as well is the absence of reproduction of cells usually they consider death legitimately they consider death of ceasing of brain functionality no because that's that's why that is considered brain dead because if your heart is still alive but your brain is not lo- no longer functioning Ooh, now we're getting into the the philosophical well, saying, side of things well, are you dead you if have... your heart stops beating but your brain is functioning yeah, because your brain stops functioning after your heartbeat stops. No, you still have limited amount of heart function or a brain function after. For like five minutes. Yeah, but you're still functioning. They consider you dead on the scene if there's no heartbeat. No, no, you're, I'm not denying that that. Legal, I know. Like, that's, I'm going purely off of legal standard, and I'm going purely off of how, how the this? medical system considers you alive or dead, and, and it has to do with the heartbeat currently. I, I no, don't it's, it's, mind. It's, it's what does the failure? What does the ceasing of the heartbeat cause? Failure of everything else. It causes the cessation of cell reproduction. Yes, because cell reproduction is the indicator. Cells are the indicator of life. When the cells I know, are, but that's yeah. not how they determine it. Yeah, legalistically speaking. But if you're going to be t- because if that's the case, then like a ch- then you know a child's not a child until six weeks. With an, Four with weeks, roughly, but yeah. But here's the thing: it's roughly. You don't. There's no. I know. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't disagree with you. I I 100% agree with you. Um, I I understand this is just relatively the Socratic method. We're just, um, but I would love to change how we determine death. Now, if it's if you throw a caveat on saying when the heart stops due to the fact that cells no longer reproduce in a rough estimate given time after the heart stops, then that is fine. If that's what we want to consider death. But currently when I read the medical definition of death, it says the absence of a heartbeat and then brain dead. When you add the word brain in front of it as, as a, uh, um, like an adjective, that is a separate form of how how does someone function, you know, alive brain dead. Well, they just—they literally—they're artif- they're artificially—they're artificially their their heart is kept pumping, but so we have to include all the artificial stuff, right? Yeah, now. no. So what I'm what I'm saying on this is like it's, it's like that's like saying can, can you know pay- what's his name who killed his girlfriend in South Africa? Oh, uh, Pistor- uh Pist- yeah, Pistorius. Whoever his name is, yeah, whatever it was, his name. Uh, it was. That's like saying because he ain't got Oscar, no legs, Oscar Pistorius or something. Like that. Just because he ain't got no legs, he can't run. 
because they're artificial. No, you saw him. Cat Williams said it best. Poor little Tink Tank. He was running so fast, paper clips and sparks was flying everywhere. Like his little metal legs was running. Actually, their their argument was that he had a dis- he had an, uh, an I advantage. Know, I know he had an unfair advantage, <laughs> but I'm just saying because it's artificial legs, you're saying he can't actually walk or run because it's artificial. No, I mean, there's, you just have to draw the distinction. So when we're talking about functionality of the human body, it's at what point can, is the, does the human body just cease to function? At what point does your body no longer, at what point are you dead? You can, you cannot have a heartbeat and still be technically alive. You cannot have brain functionality and still technically be alive. It's when you lose the two, you're done. If yeah. your heart stops and your brain stops, All you're right, done. Then let's, let's make that the official. I'm fine with that being the official. Which would then overcompass cell functionality. Because I, mean, I agree, it, it, life truly is, in biology standards, across the whole board, is re- reproduction of cells. Again, I know that there's going to be someone listening to me like, what about single-celled organisms? Well, like... They're still trying to reproduce. Okay, so it's like three... It has to check off three boxes, and one's yeah. reproduce. The other one is... Yeah, it's still reproduces. Intake, intake energy and uh, release energy. And then I forget the third one. Yeah. Um, I mean, so my thing is, is I just take the approach of... Every human life has the right to provide for its own defense. I 100% agree, and we must protect the ones that cannot protect themselves. And when a sperm touches, you know, fertilizes an egg, that is when you start. You did not well, it's, exist. It's like three days after that. No, I mean, when, no, but that sperm fertilizing that egg, you, you became. Like, you, nothing else but you was going to result from that from I that think connection. it's three days or so before the egg actually forms it, it, the it, DNA, it has to attach to the, the DNA has to and RNA to the and then reproduces a second cell. And then that, that would be truly the definition of life. Fair. Like, which is why argue, Ben argue. Carson, which is why Ben Carson said contraceptives such as plan B yeah. would not be. And that, and that is, and that is why I am not against contraceptives like yeah, that because it, either. but as soon as that process starts, as soon as one cell becomes two, it is a life to I, me. And 100%. like 100% because like that, 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 that's those cells are going to continue to reproduce and, and eventually it's going to be a person. Uh, yeah. 100%. And so my, my whole thing is like, hopefully, I think ab- abortion, I think, I think abortion should be legal through all stages. Um, just that the person being aborted is allotted the ability to provide for their defense. Fair. However long that takes. Fair enough. If my dad wants to abort me at, um, the 54th trimester, um, Pick your weapon. We'll do this. Uh, <laughs> so it's good. It's trial by arms. But no. But like that's my thing. Is like no. I think I think that everyone you have the right to defend yourself against your own death, and um, that applies to you. Have that from the moment that you that you become. That is a God given right. The moment you become, and even if you're dependent on someone else for that protection, you you have that is something that your parents must give you if they fail to give you that 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 that's on them but you have the right to your own defense even at that moment even if you cannot provide it yeah 100 percent. that's not saying you don't have the right to fight for your life like i'm sorry but like i think that a six-month-old baby that is able to identify that someone's trying to hurt it should still be able to throw a punch 
Whether or not it's going to do anything doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is they have the right to defend themselves. And it just so happens that that, that they rely on someone else to provide it. And the fact that someone could be relied on to provide that and then be like, yeah, I'll still, you know, kill it for my convenience. Because here's here's the thing. Um, I fully support abortions for medical purpose. So now let's talk about the other 97 (laughs) percent. Is it 97 or 99? It's 97. 93% of abortions fall under the category of rape, incest, or medical necessity. I thought it was one, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I, the somewhere break, in between. Yeah, that. the breakdown of those individually <laughs> is different, but yeah, I was like, okay. Which is well, insane. So, I, I so we'll allow for those 3%. So what about the other 97%? What about, and it's like, I call those abortions of necessity versus abortions of convenience. Yeah, one hundred percent. If 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 you cannot give me a medical reason why, or you cannot tell me that your father raped you, well, Margaret Sanger would give you a reason why. Oh, Margaret Sanger! I I I wrote an entire paper attacking other, the other stupidity. Eugenics, other eugenics uh, uh, people will give you a, a great reason. Oh well, I mean, because I'm inferior. Well, yeah, no. Remember this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood, really hated black children and wanted them gone. And she does a very good. She did a very good job getting rid of them. They kill like you know over half a million every year. Yeah, uh, New imagine York. what the black population would look New like York. today. How much power the black population would have today if they hadn't been you know convinced to kill off more than they give birth to. Yep. Which uh, so sad to even think about. I try. I really have to avoid not thinking about like that on a very touchy feeling side of it because it's it's very sad I, I don't even care what race it is at that point it's it's just sad to think about that someone either felt like they had to or truly was doing out of convenience i'm yep. like what a selfish asshole yeah it's disgusting it's absolutely abhorrent and um remember kids safe sex or abstinence, one or the other. I don't care. I, I am I am pro-choice, and there are plenty of choices. You know, I could wear a condom, birth control, um, not having sex, if that's which is pretty much out of the window. So, you know, there's other choices. The fact of the matter is, is that what abortion is, <coughs> having a child is probably the most responsibility a human being can take on. Outside of, you know, being like the president of a fucking country. But having a child and raising know, a child. You, I'm still saying the child for sure. Child's got to take priority. And I, I, okay. I have and kids. I, and, I, and, I will welcome, and I will welcome that. Like, so let's just say. Because you, child, you're responsible having a child, for another life. Yeah. That has its own individual way of perceiving and thinking. Child, which is crazy as hell. Having a child is the most important thing a human being does. Having sex is the most enjoyable thing a person does. We want to have a lot of sex, but we don't want to have a lot of kids. So what is abortion? What is abortion in reality? Abortion of convenience in reality. It's a way of being able to have as much to be able to give in to all of the desires you want to give into without having to live up to the con or without having to deal with the consequence. And I'm sorry, every time you have sex, the the potential to have a child is there, especially if your pullout game is trash. <laughs> um, and <Kevin. laughs> I've met dudes who couldn't pull out of a driveway correctly. Like, I'll be real with you. And 
every time you have sex, that knowledge is looming. You don't want that. Why would you want that? Oh, the, I don't need a condom. I don't need birth control. I'll just have a fuck, you know, I'll just get an abortion. And it's really sad that they've convinced people that rather than having a, 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 a you know, a child, it's better for that child to die than to grow up in poverty. It's better for that child to die than have Down syndrome. It's better for that child to die than, you know, have not have, um, not have, a father around and it's like I know, and you we rob can, them of the of the chance of being someone yeah. you want you know what this how many professional sports players come from broken black homes most of them if not all <laughs> like a significant all, portion I, of them yeah a lot a lot a lot but it's like how many but how many you know Doctors and lawyers and mathematicians come out of these communities. Ben Carson, Herman Cain. It's very few. And it's like, well, yeah, when you're eliminating more people, like when you're eliminating all the prospects of success, like no wonder. No, like part of having children is you hope your children grow up into and go into better situation than you. So part like partially so that they can help take care of you. Which is an interesting discussion on its own. Why we feel that way. I mean, it kind of doesn't make sense, though. I mean, like I see it. I can understand setting up your kid to then make their own success. But uh, my parents, most parents literally try to acquire as much wealth to hand it over. Oh, no, no, no. You're you're a hundred percent. It's a it's a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, I want to be successful so that I can take care of my dad. My dad is trying to be successful so that he can leave something for me and my sister. It's not it's not like one party benefits and the other. No, I understand. It's, but it, it but is it's, still like a, a weird. Well, it, it's it's the most because a, uh, your dad it, could acquire the same amount of wealth, and instead of setting you up, make sure that he takes care of himself. He he, he absolutely could, and like you know, but instead, are, instead, he's going to give it to you, and you are also pushing to then take care of him. So it's more of a like a, a, a trade off of the same thing. Yeah, and but but that's the thing is like every time you have an abortion, you eliminate the possibility that you were raising a child who is going to be strong enough to overcome the situation they're in to be able to produce and take care of you in the end or help take care of you and, and make it so that the kid, that their kids can be successful. Cause here's the thing is like, even if it's not going to be immediate level of success, it's going to be better than it was before. Very few people in America live worse than their parents or their grandparents. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think uh, like being stupid is like genetic? I I think there's a genetic component to IQ in the parents. Like, well, it doesn't have to be IQ. I, I understand the, the IQ, but I'm, okay, let's take about let's think. Are about you like just saying like people just don't have common sense and shit? All right, Steve-O and like the Jackass guys, their want and th- like need for exhilarating and and pushing the limits of their body and stuff like that. Even if they don't teach their kids that, well, their kids also have a uh, like an a affliction for pushing limits. I like, would have, stuff I, I would, I would venture to say, yes, I would venture to say that, that, that drive for adrenaline, there are certain, there are things like that, that are inherited. Like, okay. So let me ask like, you this, like a disregard of, uh, uh, consequences. Would that be something that could be passed down genetically? 
Well, it just depends because I don't even think the Steve and the Jackass guys disregard the consequences. I think no, they're, I don't. I, I don't either. Like, I think, I'm, uh, now yeah. I'm switching. I'm switching over to uh, you know younger, dumber kids who are having sex, uh, unprotected sex, and aren't taking any precautions. I think. I think. I, I have think a cousin who like, has five yeah. kids with five baby mamas. Like yeah. that dude disregards consequences. No, yeah, but I don't think that's going to be genetic. I think that what's more than likely going to happen, he's raising five children that are going to be. He's not very, raising five kids. He's he gave you know he helped create five children that are going to be very bitter. They don't have a father and are going to seek to to change that. No people people grow to their experiences. The people that don't care about the consequences are the people that were taught that the consequences don't matter. The That's people true. that grow up to to value the consequences of actions are the ones that had to live. With the consequences of other actions. Yeah, but actions. They're, they're set up, which I understand that single parent homes is also a different discussion. Um, but when they're set up like that and they might have a genetic, uh, essentially, disability yeah. of, of automatically not considering consequences, tack on the fact that they resent their father and tack on that they probably resent their mother as well. Mm-hmm. for the situation because as as kids you know something's not right you're not you're not able to put the blame properly and so you just send it to everyone well here's 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 the thing is because unfortunately they're going to be the ones so say that you have a mother and father you have or you have a father who has five mothers and five kids if even one or two of those children grows up to to you know, reject their mother and father in the way where they're like, I'm not going to be like them. I'm going to be better. That sets up future generations. They're still going to be the ones in, in the other ones that are going to be like, I resent my mother and father and I'm still going to do bad stuff to act out. But then you're going to have the one that's, cause here's the thing. Um, you go one of two ways. You either, you either grow up to be just like them or you grow up to be exactly opposite of them. And the one that grows up to be exactly opposite of them is not going to then raise a piece of shit. Most likely, but I, I don't. Well, to I be the act op- exact be opposite honest, is to be an, is, a, to, is to be an aware, attentive parent. And chances are they aren't going to create the exact same piece of shit, right? Okay. Um, I don't. Sure, I'll, I'll buy. It. If we're going to make the argument that the the most stable way to raise a society is a single is a is a two parent household, then we have to go with that, even in this argument. That um, no, I'm, 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 so I'm so what I'm saying is that like eventually the one the the bad. Because the bad the bad groups only last so long. The ones that are ne- detrimental to your your progress eventually it stops, if you will. Like they, you think, like they you either die or you don't have kids or like whatever. But see, the, I think they tend to have the most kids. No, they do have a lot of kids. They do so. They do I have a lot like of kids. That's but the it, population but, that's growing the fastest. It's the successfuls, which. Uh, <laughs> I hate to be bringing in no, such complex issues, but it's the successfuls that don't want or have time to raise kids that end up raising shitty kids. But what I'm what I'm saying is that what we're going to see is the generations, the last two generations, especially in black and Latino communities that grew up overwhelmingly without fathers. I think that they are going to grow up to be a generation of present fathers, or at least you're going to see the number uh, the number go down. See, I don't think that because I've been looking at the black community since the 60s and it's only gotten worse. 
I mean, but this is like this is like even We're the last almost eighty percent, dude. But this is like no, four or five generations no, down. I, no, now. no, no. It, it had gotten to almost eighty percent in like twenty thirteen, but it's down to about seventy percent right now. It's 74, 75 it's, right it's now. It's still going down. It's going to be an incremental change. It is change, not going down. It is going up. It has only gone up. Well, white white communities is going up for sure. Every community is going up right now. Um. Well, I, I actually think it's it's kind of peaked in black in black and Latino well, oh, black um, communities. It peaked out at about eighty percent almost, and I think it's hovering in the seventies. I'm but, more than happy to look this up, but I am I am very confident that black single parent households has only gone up and will continue to go up. I mean, and that and that could be true. I guess what I'm saying more of is that this is the hope that I'm having is going to happen, and what needs to happen to be successful is that these generations that have had. Um, these generations that have had to grow up with absentee parents, both mothers and fathers, because a mother who has to do all the work is just as absentee as a father who's never there if both parents are never there, which is why the whole situation itself is horrifying. Um, and so I think that what we have to do is it's. Oh, I guess the 2020 census is uh, that'll give us a, a great insight. Because I'm not able to find anything before or after 2017, 2018. I'll, I'll continue to look. Here's 2018 right here. Yeah. Um, Statistics. Statistia.com. But um, I what I think what I think we need to do is just what I'm hoping ends up happening is that these communities are able to overcome the obstacles that the left places in front of them intentionally. Um, me like intentionally while they're telling them that the other side is putting them there, mind you. Um, I just because I th- I think it is absolutely disgusting that the left has done such a good job of preventing Black and Latino, especially communities in America, from prospering the way they should, from contributing to the American um the American culture in the way that they should and. And I think it's, I really think that given access to, you know, real true information, the Democratic Party will die off because of how much of it is built on just an intricate structure of lies and deceit. But, well, Kobe, I think we've been talking for almost an hour and a half here today. We've gone over a wide range of topics, but um, I, I, you know... That's common nonsense. It's common nonsense. We went over a lot of nonsense, and some of it was not very common. So um, thanks again, everyone, for sitting around and listening to what we have to say. We'll be back again soon. And for the rest of you, stay safe, stay sane, and uh, beat the Rona. Yeah, beat it. Beat it till it dies. (laughs) We got an invisible enemy right now, and we need to go to war. Yeah, it's the absence of sports, but that's for another one. <laughs> All right, everyone, you have a you have a wonderful day and we'll catch you again here soon. Like, share, subscribe. Thanks.